Hey, it's Andrea. Today, we get an after-school special on the dangers of terrorism. We discover that we would be better kidnappers than Finn, and we ask the question, why didn't the writers go in any other direction than this? Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, I am very not excited to talk about Season 3, Episode 12, entitled The High Ground. I think you're just not excited because you're more excited about next week's episode. Something tells me. Maybe, but I've got some bones to pick with this one, and we'll get into that. This episode was written by Melinda M. Snodgrass and directed by Gabrielle Beaumont. So we do have like a a woman woman wonder team um, cranking this out. Did you ever so check if Gabrielle was a woman? Yes. Oh, and yay. It, Look at yay. that. <laughs> so girl yay, power. girl power. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's officially the cheesiest moment of our entire <laughs> series. So far. So far. Um, yeah. All right, so it is Stardate 43510.7. The Enterprise is in orbit above Rutia 4 on a routine mission dropping off medical supplies. Data, Worf, and Dr. Crusher are on the surface having lunch in a plaza in the city when a bomb explodes, injuring several bystanders. Dr. Crusher rushes over to help the wounded while Worf tries to provide security for her, knowing that their position is vulnerable. Out of nowhere, an Ansada terrorist appears killing a police officer before abducting Dr. Crusher. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to do it or if you were waiting for me. <laughs> I Yeah, I think this is really going to become a thing uh, with our bum, bum, bums because this is how it starts before the commercial. Gonna, break. gonna become a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Think like a couple weeks ago, we had like crescendoing bum, bum, mm-hmm. bums. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's, it's a thing. It's a full-blown yeah. thing. Yeah. So my overall thoughts about this episode, I actually liked it. I didn't really have many complaints except for the fact that I thought they could have pushed further into the mind of a terrorist because I thought this episode was going to go in the direction where we see like, I kind of understand where the terrorist is coming from, even though I don't agree with his tactics. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they really touched on it. But at the end of the day, you're just like, this guy's a psycho. Like there was, I, there really wasn't much empathy. Um, yeah. And, and then I also thought what was really cool that they did do, however, was talk about the Federation's impact on the situation mm-hmm. and was probably a better line to take because I think, you know, we as Americans involve ourselves in a lot of international affairs and don't always see our impact on the whole situation because we only yes. see a little piece of it. And I thought that that was really nice to highlight because I haven't really seen that highlighted before. And so I wish that they could have gone a little bit further with one of those two avenues to really bring like an aha moment. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really my only complaint. Like, I love the sets. I love the makeup. I love the, oh, uh, I love the hair. Like, yes. I loved so many, I, I loved so many things about how the episode was done um, that I, yeah, I really can't complain. I know you can though. So what are your overall <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> um, okay. Here's my overall thought. Um, normally, based on what I have read, um, the writers have a really cool sci-fi idea and then they kind of build a story around it to like support the sci-fi-ness. Mm-hmm. This was like a reverse seer where they're like, we don't have a sci-fi bend, but we're given a terrorist like story. And then we have to like insert sci-fi. Now the dimensional transport is very cool. Little like sci-fi bend in- into it. But I feel like what we ended up with was this like very ham fisted after school special about why terrorism is so terrible. But again, it's never as black and white as all that. Um, and yes, terrorism is awful, 
But even data kind of talks about like why it is successful in pushing mm-hmm. like a terrorist agenda for a number of different reasons. But it, it just felt very after school special to me, like mm-hmm. terrorism, bad. Mm-hmm. Dr. Crusher gets like kidnapped, but then she's fine. And everybody's fine after that. And the terrorist dies and that's the end. It's like, oh, I, and I thought the writing was really, really heavy handed. And I'll touch on those moments. Um I'm not a huge fan of this episode, and I feel like I'm in good company because most of the writers hated this episode. They hated it. Um, One of the writers, Ronald D. Moore, described it as, quote, an abomination. It's our (laughs) one terrorist show. We didn't have anything interesting to say about terrorism except that it's bad and Beverly gets kidnapped. Ho-hum. They take her down to the caves, and we get to have nice, big, preachy speeches about terrorism and freedom, fighting and security forces versus society. It's a very unsatisfying episode, and the staff really wasn't happy about it. And that came from the book that I have, Captain's Logs, Mm -hmm. The Unauthorized Complete Trek voyages and when i i watched the episode and i came to my conclusion and then when i read that i was like see see mm-hmm. <laughs> i felt like vindicated yeah Although it's star trek you know you it's never well you know it's never so bad you know i totally agree with that um and i guess that's my like i didn't hate this episode but that that's maybe like the little bit of dissatisfaction i feel is i feel mm-hmm. like it could have pushed harder into something right mm-hmm. it did it did feel like terrorism is bad but hey, there's other reasons why terrorists do stuff. But you know, still bad. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, yes, I, yeah. yes, I agree. And like, I wanted something either Where's the depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I either wanted to really get into the, kind of like how we had that episode before the defect, the defector, and okay. how we really got to go into like the background of the Romulans. And we're like, yes. oh, like there's more layers to Romulans than we knew, and that's what made it really interesting. Like, I would have liked that here where they really go into yeah. the layers of the, of the terrorists where you're like, oh my gosh, there's all these things I never thought about, which that we didn't get to those depths. Or conversely, like I said earlier, if they went into how the Federation's involvement mm-hmm. really did set off all these chain reactions that they weren't even aware of and how like, yep. you know, their responsibility and all these, like all these other things that I'd never thought about. So I felt like they were kind of at the precipice of something that could have been a really interesting story. Um, yes. But then they didn't get there. And so I don't think, I don't think this episode was bad. I just think it was maybe shallow. Yes. I think it's, I think it was, um, it would be strong for season two, but considering how strong every episode in season three has been so far, I think it's weak season three, but still, Mm. you know, eh. yeah. If this had been season one, we would have been like, oh my God. Oh, this would have blown our minds in season (laughs) one. This would have blown our minds. We would have been like, this is incredible. But yeah, I would agree with that. I think this would be a strong a really strong season two episode. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's open this up. Um, we have this opening scene with Worf and Data and, and Beverly having lunch in this plaza on Rutia 4. And I tried to search high and low and I could not find either where this was set, who built this set, if it was just all indoors. Like it was so cool. I thought that plaza was so mm-hmm. big for at least for an indoor set. I effing loved it. I loved mm-hmm. everything about it. And I love seeing the little slice of life. Like they're down. They're like, let's just have a bite to eat in a glass of champers, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. Like it just seemed so like lovely and regular. I really, really liked that. I really liked the um, security guards uniforms. Mm-hmm. They just looked so cool. And they had these yeah. like motorcycle helmets, but they looked so cool. And you just see them yes. like kind of wandering around in the background, but you see more and more and more and more. And you're like, holy cow, they're just like having lunch. And there's like 10,000 security guards Yes, in this one area. What is going on right now? Like whenever I see a ton of cops, I feel very unsafe. Um, 
like, I mean, part of that is because I'm a black woman in America, but part of that, yeah, I was just going to say, because, God, I wonder why Sharice. Yeah. But part of that <laughs> is also why. because like something's going down. Like, why are there so many all right here right mm-hmm. now? Something's going down or they anticipate something going down. And that just makes yes. me, all of that makes me go, I need to go ahead and exit this area. And yeah. <laughs> we have this voiceover coming from um, Picard saying like, shore leave has been canceled. Like no one can go into the planet. We're only there to deliver medical supplies and they need to get their butts right back here. And I was just like, yeah, maybe, maybe wait for lunch to get back on the yeah. prize. Maybe, maybe we just don't replicate something. Right mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Especially considering it's not like a long line to get to the transport. And then it's like 25 <laughs> minutes up to the ship. It's just like three to beam up and then you're done. And that's yep. it. Send us straight um, to 10 forward. Yeah. Done, done and done. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so you're right. They don't need to be having lunch, but the set is really cool. It's so and cool. It's so great. Yes. And all of a sudden, kabam, an explosion goes off. And being the good doctor that she is, Beverly rushes in. And there's definitely some back and forth where they're like, this was totally like a, a bomb that was planted. Mm-hmm. Or so it seems like mm-hmm. we need to get you guys out of there. And Beverly's like, I'm not going anywhere. Right. And she's insisting on staying. Mm-hmm. And I get why, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. And it's also very in line with Beverly like that. Like I I do appreciate the character consistency here. Like that continuity is spot on. That's exactly what Beverly would do. Exactly. She'd be like, I'm not leaving. Well, we're going to beam you out here. No, you're not. Like Mm -hmm. that's exactly what Beverly would do. And I could not stop thinking about Hunger Games because there's this scene in Hunger Games where Katniss Everdeen, who is the protagonist, is talking to like her best friend. And she's talking about military strategy. And she's saying like, the way to do it is you have two bombs. You have one bomb that goes off and like hurts a bunch of people. And then you get all these first responders rushing in to try to help those wounded people. And Mm -hmm. then you have a second bomb that goes off to kill all the first responders. And that cripples the infrastructure. And that's how you win the war. And so when that first bomb went off and then Beverly rushed over, I was like, no, 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 no. Like there's going to be a second bomb. Yeah, there's going to be a second bomb and they're going to like blow you up, which thankfully didn't happen. Um, but the security risks were huge. And I I understand Beverly's need to help people. And also, I don't understand her in, her refusal to acknowledge the huge security risk of like being there. And, and Dana even made a good point. Let's just beam them to the Enterprise. Like, yes. Like, or, or I think he said something like there's medical staff here on the planet that can take care of them you know, like we, we shouldn't be here. And she's like, well, they're not here. I am. And it's like, we need to go to the enterprise. Well, if you're going to, if you're helping them with medical supplies, anyways, beam them up, patch them up, go to sick bay, just go straight to sick bay. There's no need for you to be in a vulnerable position with with nothing but a freaking tricorder. Yeah. And Worf looking around ineffectually AF like, and, and data for all of his like, you know, quick last second, like, you know, ability to strike. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anybody going to do in this scenario? And it was perfectly illustrated when this Ansada terrorist somehow, like with this rapid teleportation that we're going to get into in a minute, snatches Beverly and disappears. And Data and Worf are like, wait, I... Uh. <laughs> no. And then cuts to effing commercial. And it was like, no, <laughs> this is what we were telling you. You know, if I were Picard, I would have just beamed them up whether or not she protested or not. Because Beverly does not have that dude's electrostatic stuff from last week, the like super soldier, where he could just jazzercise his way like and disrupt the beam and like break the transport beam. She would have been like, wait, no. And then she would have been on the Enterprise. Yeah. As would have and, the, and- injured. It would have been. 
-hmm. we would not have had an episode. Thank you, Beverly. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you this question though, as I was watching, I put this in my notes, like ask Andrea this, do you think she made the right call? Ignoring the security risks. Okay. That Mm. solves that. Well, (laughs) okay. I say she did not make the right call, but if I were in her position, I would have done the same thing. Mm. Wrong call or not. I would have been like, no, people need help. And that would have, and then I would have been fucking kidnapped. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe Mm. that's why I'm not (laughs) in charge of making medical security decisions. But yeah, I think she made the wrong call. I mean, sick bay is far better equipped. It's got everything you need. You Mm -hmm. can, it's got an operating theater for crying out loud. And all you Mm -hmm. have is a little tricorder. And she herself said, like, I'm trying to bring these people back from the dead with just like kind of sleight of hand. So Mm -hmm. if you could just give me some space, it's like, girl, you know, you don't need any of that. You could just Mm -hmm. go right to sick bay and then you don't need to like depend on, you know, chicken soup and deep breathing. Like you've got like Mm -hmm. medicine and lasers and hypo sprays for and a whole medical team. So it's not just you being a one woman show. And As we're talking now is when I'm recollecting that all she had in her hand was a tricorder. She did not have her medical kit with her. So what exactly was she doing with the tricorder? There was no hypo (laughs) Diagnosing. She didn't even have some gauze. She had nothing. Like she told Worf, Worf, she told Worf, go get some like alcohol and something to wrap a wound. And she essentially did the like 1500s midwife when the woman goes in labor (laughs) and she's like, I need you to rip up some bed sheets and hot water. Like girl, all the best you can do with a tricorder is diagnose that like somebody's spine is broken or something Mm -hmm. and then be like, so I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think she let her like adrenaline take over, which is understandable. But yeah, that was the wrong call by a long shot. Mm -hmm. But she got her, she, she up and got herself kidnapped. And we realized that this might have been targeted. They were looking for a doctor. Um, Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe they were surprised to find out she was there. I'm not totally sure about that one. Well, we'll get into that a little bit further. But initially, initially, from what we can gather, remember, uh, Riker meets with Alexana, the like chief of police. Mm -hmm. And she basically steers Riker to the conclusion like this might have been a targeted like they might have been looking for her specifically like a Federation person. Right. And then she happened to be a doctor. Yeah, that makes sense. Because when she said when she said, I'm a doctor, that's when that really shady guy in the mall was like, oh, doctor, you say. And then he yes. did bring her a med kit. Now that I think about it, he brought her a med kit and oh, then she okay. was kidnapped like five minutes later. Right. So I feel like he didn't know she was a doctor before she said, I'm a doctor. Yes. And he goes, oh, so that's why I was like, yes. maybe they were just blowing up stuff to blow up stuff because that's what they do. And they're yeah. like, oh, we need her. But yeah, maybe they did it because Federation people were there. I don't know. Yes. Okay. But an Ansada terrorist with the dreamiest early 90s hair and chiseled looks brings Beverly some food and kind of chats with her and she does exactly the right thing which is to say nothing you do not offer any information and I always thought in these situations military people say their name rank and serial number they can but that's not always helpful because if they don't know who you are (laughs) you don't want to be giving information accidentally I mean I'm Um, not saying what she should or should not have done I'm just saying what I've seen in all the other movies yeah I thought she was gonna do that (laughs) and then she did it and then I was like is this further proof that they're not all military trained you know back to Picard's point of like this is not a military organization we are scientists yeah and everybody else is looking around like Who's yes, going to be the one to break the news? 
<laughs> yes, sir, is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not military. Let me just take these rank and insignia off my neck. Yeah. Anyway, so he does He does say, um, I know you're a Federation doctor. And so that's how it, at least for me, let me know, like, ah, this was targeted. He was looking for a doctor. And he said, you are the doctor on a Federation flagship, so you're the best doctor. And he introduces himself as Kirill Finn, and we kind of call him Finn the rest of the episode. Um, and so it's like, uh-oh, they need a doctor for something. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and back aboard the Enterprise, this for me was a really weird scene. But Counselor Troy and Captain Picard are informing Wesley about Bev's kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And he's <clears throat> Picard is like, you know, they may try to use her as a bargaining chip. And then uh, Wesley goes, a bargaining chip? And I was like, oh, come on. Okay, but you're like 18 at this point. You're not four. <laughs> like, you know what a bargaining chip is, right? Like, I feel like that phrase could still translate in the year 2366. <laughs> um, but okay. But this is, again, that kind of weird writing where, like, yes, Wesley is supposed to be young, but he's not supposed to be this young. Like, that for me was like, I don't, okay. Mm-hmm. That that to me was, and he was just so unfazed where he was like, is she okay? That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's a bargaining chip. <laughs> I'd be like, wait, my mother's been kidnapped. Oh my God, what are we doing mm-hmm. about this? Ah, you know, like, I feel like the not- same thing happened when Wesley was kidnapped in season one, right? Yes! Beverly was just like, okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. And they, and they did talk about how like, oh, in Starfleet, they prepare you for all kinds of things. They prepare you for all these eventualities and yada, yada. But I remember in that episode, all the parents were like, oh yes, my child was also kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Yes. My four-year-old was also kidnapped and they were all very reasonable. And I felt like they should be very unreasonable right now. Yes. And illogical and like losing their crap. If and I not think this now, is the- then when? Exactly. And I think this is a similar situation, especially more so because he's a child, well, a teenager, he should be even more illogical and unreasonable. He should be yes. like, what? My mom's down there. Oh my gosh, I'm beaming down right now. You know, and just like sight to sight, beam, and like go down yeah. to the planet, and they're like, "Oh crap, go after Wesley!" Like that yes. would be—I mean, that's not a Starfleet thing to do, but that's like a human thing to do. Yes, and that would have felt more realistic. Yes, I wish that that would have been teased out a little bit more, or like worked out a little bit more. It just yeah. felt so surface, like you I said earlier. Would have like yeah, episode it's is so surface. It's shallow, yeah. but that would have uh, also taken uh, taken like focus attention away. From yeah. their main plot, which is like terrorism is bad. Then it would have turned into the get Wesley back on the ship episode. <laughs> yes, it was essentially Wesley. I'm sorry to tell you that your mother's been kidnapped. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's good to know. He does say, can I go in the away, you know, permission to go to the away team, you know, and go back down to the planet? And he's like, denied. Like, we need yeah, you Picard's on. It's like, Picard's like, you're the most important part of our team, good buddy. We need you here on the ship away from Which home. actually was true. Because it's Wesley, right? Anybody else, they would just be saying that to placate them, to keep if them was from messing Worf, stuff up. Yeah. If it was Worf, yeah. you'd be like, fine. <laughs> go get your ass kicked here or there. It doesn't matter. But Wesley, the teenager, we actually need you to keep us together. Poor Worf. Poor Worf. That's exactly God, it. Worf, so stay, bad. go. We don't really care. Whatever. But Wesley, it's like, oh, no, we need you on this technology piece. You, Jordy, and Data. Like, yes, the dream team, <laughs> the three brains. Yeah. Wherever <laughs> you go, just take a small like emergency kit with you because you're going to need band-aids no matter what. No oh matter gosh, what. Just take that, take that like rope or whatever you found down on the planet. Just carry that around <laughs> with you in your hands because y'all have no pockets. But anyways, so that placates Wesley and it's actually true. Like they actually do need him because he's the wonder kid and he's going to like yeah. figure it out. 
Definitely. Definitely. And meanwhile, Finn comes back to talk to Beverly and he does say, you know, I took you because you're a Federation doctor on the flagship. I need doctors. So now it's starting to become a little bit more, um, a little bit more clear as to what this terrorist is doing with Beverly because they have this really cool sci-fi piece of technology called the inverter. Mm-hmm. And that's their name for their like teleportation device. And it uses dimensional shifting, which I wish could have been like explained a Teased little bit out. more, mm-hmm. right? But they basically can transport like through different dimensions to like teleport. Um, and Beverly's like, wait a minute, like that research already showed you can't use, you can't use um, inverting on humanoid tissue. It's, it's altering their DNA each time they use it. And then it causes like irreparable damage. Mm-hmm. And Finn is like, huh? Uh-huh. So now you see why you may need a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Beverly being Beverly is like, take me to your patients, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is what got you in this problem in the first place, Beverly. But again, consistent, very consistent, yes. which I appreciate because yes. she was doing the whole, like, I'm not talking, I'm not participating, whatever. And there's a scene where, um, I forget what she says or why he's triggered, but he snatches the food back away from her. And he's like, get up, get up right now and come look yeah. at our patients or whatever. And I was like, is this some kind of solo version of good cop, bad cop? Like, <laughs> it's, you know what this is? It's the bipolar good cop, bad cop. Where this guy's like, I'm a one man show. I'll do it all myself. Yeah. It's just like, he's just like, Please understand where I'm coming from. Then he's get up right get up now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you can't you help our wounded? Well, sometimes violence is the only way. Yeah. It's like, okay. I would like, be using my tricorder, be like, <laughs> let's check it out. This dude be like, are you good? No, I see multiple question. personalities. Yes. Do tricorders pick up mental challenges? Because that's <laughs> what we needed to do in this situation. And yeah, there's like a lot of trauma and all kinds of stuff, but like something's go- something fishy is going on that has nothing to do with yes. the DNA being warped. Someone well, else is warped. Yes. Okay. The reason they were able to snatch Beverly so easily in the first place is because she did rush to help the wounded. Yeah. So you know it's in her nature to want to help wounded. So you could just be like, hey, so I've got some wounded people. And she'd Don't be like, show them? me. Yeah, mm-hmm. show me the people. And that would you wouldn't have had to do the like, I'll kill you. I love you. Here's my drawing of you. Get up. Like there's all do you want some food? Are you hungry? I don't care. I don't you're care. Hungry. No more food for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you really didn't need to do any of that. You could have just been like, there's wounded, right? this way and she would have helped them with no Finn's, threats at Finn's all over here like but I, but I had costume changes like I had <laughs> <No>. that ready <laughs> I had this whole speech prepared yeah <laughs> so on the surface Riker and Alexana the police chief are talking and this killed me in not a good way Riker sees you know that they're arresting this little kid and taking him in for questioning and he's like is this really necessary and then Alexana goes and I quote in a world where children blow up children everyone's a threat. And I was like, oh, okay. Heavy handed again with the heavy handedness, like terrorism is implicitly heavy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like intrinsically scary. You don't need to lay the fucking ham on it. Okay. Like mm. a little goes a long way. Star Trek writers, just a little goes a long way. Um, or even just that scene. Cause they were arresting two kids and one mm-hmm. kid was like 12 and the other kid was like nine. Yeah. So just that alone seeing like they don't even make handcuffs that small. So just yeah. seeing like a little nine year old being dragged away, looking all upset would you just be enough. To, you, you didn't, didn't even have anything. to comment. on. It. Thank you. I'm yeah. so, OK, so when we do the rewrite for this episode one day, we're not doing that, <laughs> which I don't have the patience for that. We're not doing that when we hire someone you maybe, know what? to do here's the rewrite. The, for this here's episode. the rewrite. <laughs> 
Beverly sees a bunch of people getting blown up and she beams them and herself to sick bay and she <laughs> sends them back the end. There's the rewrite. Anyway, <laughs> so we wouldn't have had all this. Done and done. But yeah, you didn't even need to say anything. You could just show these little kids getting carted away and going, wow. And that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. That and would have been Riker- heavy. Yeah. And you could have had Riker be like, still say like, oh my gosh, is this necessary? Mm-hmm. And her just look at him and not say anything or her yeah. saying like, take him in. And that's it. Yes. And you're just like, Ooh, that's beast. Like she yes. didn't even acknowledge yes. that this is a problem. This episode now is we're talking about it more and more. It went from being this potential drama to becoming like space opera. That's mm. what this felt like space opera, but being space opera, we're back in the caves and Beverly has put on her sanctimonious crown towards Finn and he calls her an idealist and she's like what kind of what kind of people are you that that scare people and terrorize people and besides you can't use the inverter because now you guys are fucking up your DNA so bad that like you're all dying mm-hmm. and she's like you can't you you and your violence you know and just being so sanctimonious and mm-hmm. he's like you're an idealist and I was like Finn I'm with you on this one Mm-hmm. And of course she responds with, I live in an ideal culture. And I was like, uh-oh, we're trying to get to some problematic mm-hmm. territory now. And I'm going to go with that statement is false. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know why you think, I mean, I know that, you know, Gene Roddenberry wanted this to be like a perfect society or whatever, but like, it's just not, that's just not how humans are. It's not how humans no. are. That's not man. That's not like human nature to just be like perfect and happy go lucky and never have any conflict or problems because that's exactly how we grow as people is conflict and challenges. It doesn't have to always be fighting. It doesn't have to be war. It doesn't have to be killing, but it has to be friction and tension. That's what causes growth. Right. So like we couldn't escape it if we wanted to, even in a positive way. And Mm -hmm. Finn has a statement where he says, you know what? The difference between generals and terrorists is the difference between winners and losers. If they win, yes. they get to be called generals. And if they lose, they get to be called terrorists. And it was just like, yeah, that was you know, the defector all over again. It 100% was the defector all over again. And with Beverly saying a long time ago, we've decided, you know, that violence was not the answer, which again, false because y'all are blowing ships out of the sky all the time when yeah. it's necessary. <laughs> right. So I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, I'm in sick bay, so I don't see it happening. Girl. <laughs> Girl, that's also false because she's always up on the bridge when they're shooting stuff. And you're like, what are you doing? You should be in sick bay. Yes. <laughs> you have the like what taking in the wounded. Yeah. <laughs> Deck so, 17 like- reports 14 casualties. God, that's crazy, Jean-Luc. I'll just sit here in my bench seat next to Troy. Okay. 100%. Well, you just stay there then. 100%. So it's like, I don't know where she's getting this. Like, we don't solve things with violence because we 100% still solve things with violence, even in the Federation, which yes. is how y'all keep the Federation together. Like yes. that's exactly how you do it. Um, so all of Beverly's that was just like, over here living in a dream world. He's living in a dream world. And yep. yes, Finn's methods are awful and he doesn't care about killing people and he doesn't care about being killed. So yes, mm-hmm. all of that is awful. And Beverly is delusional to think that that's not also the world she lives in. It's just done yes. a little bit differently. Yes. And again, like, again, this is like, a, this is a place where I think it could have gone really deeply in either of those areas, like really deep into Finn or really deep into Beverly and mm-hmm. being like, whoa, wait a minute, Beverly. And this, this was like kind of a preachy, you know, speech of like, oh, you know, the victor, like the defector thing, like the victor, yes. the ones who write the history books and blah, blah, blah. But then it felt kind of preachy. I think it could have been done in a way where it was more Beverly coming to the realization of like, wait a minute, wait, we have done that. Oh my gosh, we are doing that. Totally. Oh my gosh, this is how we're involved. And she does say later on like, oh yeah, we have to look at our role and everything. But Picard weighs her off as like Stockholm syndrome. 
And I think it could have, yes. we could have gone deeper in a way that, that we, as the viewers were like, wait a minute, by doing something, we are picking a side or by doing nothing, we are making a choice. Like yes. that could have been a better moral of the story than terrorism is bad, which I, I feel like we all agree with already. So yes. we didn't uh, need it- to exactly that. exactly it is the like stealing is bad it's like yes kindergartners understand that but there are ways and reasons that people are driven to that and it would have been so much deeper if we could have delved a little further into that um and we do get like a teeny teeny little taste on the enterprise data is asking the captain mm-hmm. you know if armed rebellion is so bad then why are their methods so often successful mm-hmm. you know and and picard does say you know that um you know, he he does say something very eloquent, and I'm sorry I didn't write it down, but he basically said, like, you know, peace can be won through, like, the the muzzle of a gun or something like that, but it's not the way that, like, we choose to, like, mm-hmm. practice peace. Which, again, photon torpedoes are armed and ready at all times, so... <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, it's not how we choose to practice it first. We start with diplomacy, and when that yes. fails, we blow them out of the air. <laughs> and then they're not alive to tell the tale. So off we go to Starbase 157. And Telling no them about the wiser. our peacekeeping mission. Yeah. <laughs> and how successful it was. Yep. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't, didn't, lo- didn't love that one, Jean-Luc. But Data does actually, here's something interesting. Data references, he's like, I was looking at the history of all these armed rebellions. Mm-hmm. And he references the Irish unification of 2024. <clears throat> now, this episode was actually cut from being transmitted in the UK and the Republic of Ireland due to references to the reunification of Ireland being achieved through terrorism because Ireland was trying, has been for a zillion years, but they were violently trying to secede from, you know, English control. Mm -hmm. And so when the episode aired in the early, in early 1990, the idea that a peace treaty could exist by decades end was like completely inconceivable to them, Mm -hmm. which actually it was achieved by the end of the decade. The unedited episode without that little piece cut only started running in the UK in 2007, which is insane. So like some 15 years passed, like more than 15 years passed, like when it was originally like supposed Mm -hmm. to air, which I thought was pretty crazy that like they had that little snippet and they only run the like unedited version. They only have it on like the DVDs that you could buy. Like Mm. every once in a blue moon, they'll show it on cable with Mm -hmm. the a reference to the Irish unification, but it was like completely cut out, which I thought they just didn't want to like send that message. Which is probably a good call because even though to data's point that sometimes when there's no other methods available, Mm -hmm. because I don't, I, you know, we tell our kids violence is never the answer, but that's not really true. Sometimes violence is the answer. For example, with the enterprise blowing ships up when they need to, like sometimes violence is absolutely the answer. Um, it just is not like the first answer usually. Yeah. So like that, like data had a point when he was talking about when every other option has been exhausted. So this seems to be, it works and it Mm -hmm. does work because at least it causes people to listen. And that's what Finn was saying to Beverly. If we do this and if we do that, and if we do that, they'll listen to us. And he was even like, it's not like things are going to change overnight. It's not like everybody's, we're going to get what we want. All we're saying is that if we do enough things to bring attention, they will be willing to listen to us and we can at least start the conversation. And that conversation may take years and decades before we finally achieve independence, but at least we can start the conversation versus now they're not even willing to hear us. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I totally get that. Um, I totally get that. And the way he went about it of just like, you know, killing everybody and not caring if he dies and all that stuff was very like, 
sad and, yes. and weird. And even that, like even that, they could have pushed in further in that because he does mention about how his son died in detention. His 13-year-old yeah. son died like in jail. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, even if they pushed into that, like that could have been really juicy to really get into like the lives of of terrorists and like mm-hmm. this is the toll it's taken on me personally and this is why I do what I do or whatever in yeah. some kind of way that pe- that other people can relate to that could have also been really special there's just so yeah. ma- there's just so many opportunities to go deeper in this yeah. episode and the fact that they chose none is disappointing because when you're talking about two sides of a conflict nobody ever thinks they're on the wrong side. Right. Nobody ever thinks that they are the bad guys. Like, you know, you look at World War II and it was like the Axis powers versus the Allies and the Allies are like, oh my God, Nazis are terrible, right? And like what they were preaching and doing was terrible. But I'm sure there were lots of Germans fighting for the German side that were like, oh, uh, we're defending our homeland or whatever the fuck they thought they were doing. Like Mm -hmm. nobody ever thinks that they are the bad guys. Unless mm-hmm. you're watching like a second grade cartoon or like the bad guys, like, I just love being bad. Ma ha 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 ha. It's like, mm-hmm. th- this could have, this could have been like a multi-part episode that really delved into like both sides and why, like, because even the, um, the, the police force on Rutia four, whatever the Rutians, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Rutians, they are being terrorized by the Ansada because the Ansada wanted to like gain their own independence and they're like no fuck you guys and mm-hmm. like basically held them down so it's like so aren't you guys kind of responsible for like what's happening now they're and they're still so refusing yeah. yeah they're still refusing to acknowledge them they're still refusing to give them independence and they yeah. keep blowing crap up and killing people and yeah. they're refusing to even talk about it like hey maybe maybe at this point we should come to the negotiation table have some kind of treaty you know and talk about this but Something. they're just like but and you heard that the um Rutian police officer, whatever her name is, Alexana. Alexana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You heard her say, like, she was tired of this as well. She hated all of this and she wanted all yeah. this to end. But her only solution was like violence begets violence, and we have to kill them all and arrest them all. And she was showing Riker this database of 5,000 names. And Riker was like, Oh my gosh, is this how big the terrorist organization is? And she was like, Oh no, we think it's only like 200 people, but these are sympathizers. So we just like keep a list of them and you know, follow them around and also arrest them because you know. We have to somehow figure out the 200 people. So their solution was like, find the 200 people and exterminate all of them versus just having a conversation. And all of this can be different. Yeah. Um, but 70 years of violence and still no one's willing to talk because in her mind, they're animals. They're not yes. human. She literally said they are not human. They are animals. And if they're yeah. animals, you can't talk with them. You can't have any kind of peace treaty. You can't have a conversation. All you can do with animals is put them down when they get inconvenient. And yeah. again, that that too could have been a really like deep way to go. We had that episode last week with the hunted where the soldiers were basically turned into criminals when the war was over because they had no use for them. So they just put them on a moon and closed their eyes and gave them no power. And I feel like, and by the end of the episode, they were forced to have a conversation. Yeah. And I felt like that's what I would have loved to have at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. But I guess that would have been rewarding terrorism. I don't know. But I would have loved somehow for the Federation to have been involved in a way that led to a conversation by the end of the episode, which is not what happened. It just yeah. kind of kept going on the way it was going. And that was my question at the end, too. I was like, so is the Federation still going to send medical supplies to the Rutians? Or are they exactly. going to like put the trade embargo, which I thought was actually very reasonable of um, Finn to say, hey, yeah, we're not. We want you guys to to stop shipping them supplies just so they will have a conversation with us just so we can start the talk. And like Mm -hmm. the Federation is already there. They can help with the diplomatic talks because that's their sweet spot. That's their zone of genius. They can help bring peace to a planet. Like 
this could be a really good thing. And that's just kind of like not addressed. And it just kind of keeps going, which is really sad. It It is really sad. And you're right. Things, things actually really start escalating. And actually Finn's demands, as you said, like are very reasonable. But again, when you have generational um, violence, mm-hmm. it is very, very hard to shake that off. And it feels a little bit like Shades of a Vengeance Factor too, where, you know, Utah has this like, generations and generations of like vengeance going back and forth and, and mm-hmm. things just escalate. So it feels mm-hmm. like this episode feels Which is like an amalgamation. Yeah. It feels like an amalgamation of like vengeance factor, the defector mm-hmm. and the hunted kind of all in mm-hmm. one and not as great as any of those. No, those were all great. Those were all great. And they were great because they, they focused on one person mm-hmm. who represented the entire cause. Yeah that they could like pinpoint this person is our example of why this is a problem for so many others. Yes. Now let's dive into it. And that's yes. what they, I think we're trying to do with Finn, but he just kind of, he just didn't quite flat. hit that mark. Yeah. No, he didn't quite hit the mark. Well, speaking of Finn, when he sees, you know, Riker tells one of the kids they arrested, like, Hey, I want you to send a message back to whoever is in charge that we just want to talk. So like kid gets back to Finn and Finn is like, Oh, I see. Now the Federation is working with the police. They've chosen sides. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Beverly's like, no, no, I'm sure this is a misunderstanding. And they probably she just want to talk. They probably <laughs> just want to talk. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I'm really sorry that your son is on the ship because now I'm going to have to destroy the ship. And Beverly is so just bleh in this moment. She's like, Finn, please. Like, no, that's when you start backhanding and clawing eyes and doing whatever you need to do to keep this guy from giving this order to destroy the ship. But well, she would never do that because her whole thing is she doesn't believe in violence. Yeah, except your son's about to die. So you're about to start believing in violence. No, but she still doesn't believe in it. And that's the, that's again, the character's very consistent. If she turned to violence because she got upset, then that would make her a hypocrite for this whole entire episode and every episode she's ever been yeah. in. I mean, it right? makes her human, but I guess you're right. Yeah. But it wouldn't fit with her character. So, of course, yeah. she's going to try diplomacy or try to persuade him or something. And I actually liked this scene for Gates McFadden because she teared up, like, legitimately. And I was like, how'd she do that? Or maybe they just put drops in her eyes. But she teared up. <laughs> like, <laughs> she teared up and she was like, not my son. And I was like, oh, she has emotions about her son. Okay. You know, because we didn't see that with Wesley. Wesley was just like, understood. So yeah. what, what am I doing back next? to the what science station? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And at least she was like, please, you know, she had some kind Don't of some emotional reaction to the situation, which I was like, okay, good. Emotion. Oh, see, I, thought, I thought if you're going to try to convince this man not to blow up the enterprise, it's like you have an opportunity with the flagship of the Federation. You could use the ship for something else. You could use like, I would be trying to bide time instead of just being like, please don't do this like that just again to me i was like girl you need another tact because this isn't working which it doesn't because aboard the enterprise (laughs) we see two characters dressed from season two walking down the corridor when the ansara woman transports in and shoots this man down and i thought of you and i wrote ambush (laughs) (laughs) like here we go again and then which was totally unnecessary by the way because they were not ready or prepped or anything they didn't have their weapons drawn she could have just been like freeze. She could have been like turn around and run. She could have just yeah. threatened them. There was really no need to start shooting. By the way, by the way, when that Ansara, the, uh, sorry, when the Ansara woman shot the man, the woman, the Starfleet woman who was walking with the guy, she went, oh, oh and then just kind of like tippy toed away. And ran. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, way to leave your buddy down. Run, I guess because, <laughs> but like she also could, if she had a phaser, she could have 
pulled it or maybe she didn't because maybe they don't have weapons when they're just no. walking down the hallways. Yeah, no, no, they don't. She could have done security to like, I, I don't know. Just, it was just, you know, she kind of looked like a toilet had overflowed where she was like, oh no, but it wasn't like, oh my God, somebody just got killed. Oh my God. You know, there wasn't yeah, that and then level. Why didn't the Ansada woman shoot her too? If she's just going on a shooting spree? I, I don't get it. Why would she just well, shoot then, one person and then let the other person run away? And then she turns and runs away. Like what was the point of shooting him at all? There's so what many was questions. That? Yeah. In this yeah. Scene. Too many, and too many questions happened to her. What did, she wasn't even where, did she, where the hell did she go? Yeah. Where was well, she going? Okay. So we get two more terrorists that transport into main engineering, which makes way more sense than just some random, random place hallway. 14, right. And <laughs> they attach a bomb on the warp core and then they beam away or they're like teleport away. Yeah. Yeah. And Jordy manages to get the bomb off the warp core, but he still can't transport it on the ship as its signal is like scrambling the sensors and things mm-hmm. get really tense. And then Jordy pops his comm badge, quick thinking, thank you, Jordy. Yes. yes. And he's like, lock onto my signal and beam this thing off. But he says two kilometers off. And I went, why not like 200? Because you have a bomb. You don't want it too close. Yeah. Like you Put have it right outside the window and then let it. <laughs> <laughs> you have transporters that could just take it anywhere. So like maybe beam a little, it onto a the little surface. further away, something away. Oh, no, not the Too surface co- though, because there's humans there. Well, no, 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 not <laughs> the surface. Yeah. But if it can get something to the surface, maybe like 50 kilometers off would have been better. But anyway, yeah. whatever. But it was I fine because the enterprise, the enterprise has shields and it's going to be protected once that thing is outside. It just couldn't be protected inside because this was super interesting that they said about the technology here that these inverters, because they're they use dimensional shifts, which basically means they're shifting in and out of phase. They're not technically mm. in our dimension at all times, so you can't really. Yes get a, a, a transporter lock on them. Yep. Also force fields don't work against them at all because they're out of phase. And I thought, yep. oh, that is fascinating. So you can't have a force field to lock them in. You can't transport them anywhere. And then this bomb was made with that same technology. Yeah. So the transporters could not lock onto them. So you couldn't put a force field around them. I was like, oh, this is, this is good. Like this is a really clever yes. tool, but then they beam <clears throat> it off 10 seconds later and you're like, well, <laughs> all that cleverness was kind they of should have nothing, set, but they should have set the timer for like a minute 30 so we could have time to like enjoy the tension but it was set for like 19 seconds so yes literally it wasn't really yeah, that great i did like jordy's quick thinking i thought that was really brilliant it was kind of a little bit dumb when troy was like your calm signal it's like, like yeah. you really think she's, he's holding onto the bomb and beaming himself into space i mean like that's Jordy, not he could but that's not really on, like when he's like, lock onto my signal. And she's like, oh, your signal. And Picard's like, shh, not now. It's yeah. like, Troy, like, <laughs> Troy, like, girl, this isn't the time. This isn't the time. But I thought, I, I thought, I thought I that like, line was dumb. I thought it was dumb too. It did stand out to me because I went, oh, I think this is her one line in the whole episode is your signal. And then I that was it. It is her one line in the whole episode. But you I will say she shoes. was fierce in this episode. Did you notice her she shoes? Did. They were like yes. striped. <gasps> I want her whole outfit. I want yes, that and I, her body. Yes. <laughs> And all those extensions to make her hair look huge. I want that you too. Can keep the headband though. I don't want that. No, headbands hurt behind the ears for those of you who don't know. They hurt. <laughs> anyway, there's no amount of 24th century technology that's going to make a headband not hurt on the pressure points behind your ears. Anyway, <laughs> fashion is pain. Okay. But more importantly, after this happens, Jordy gets, Sharice, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> this was a bad time to drink some water. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about headbands. It was a bad time to drink water because my computer Headband designers braid make water. it work. Okay. <laughs> All oh. right. But here's, here's something important. Jordy gets this bomb off at the nick of time. It explodes mm-hmm. off the, off the bow or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
more terrorists beam onto the bridge and start shooting the place up while data doesn't neutralize the target question mark did you notice there were about four good seconds while this terrorist was shooting the shit out of the like comm panels and all that and jordy or not sorry not jordy and data and the other dude who's sitting at comms are just sitting looking at their comms looking surprised and i'm like somebody yeah. do something they you're an in- android they come in and they shoot the the panels that yes. they're sitting in front of. And I was like, why? I What's didn't get that at all. That? What was yep. the point of what was the point think, of any of that? I think he was a bad shot, maybe. I don't know. I no, I think they were trying to disable their they're like they were trying to disable their ability to fly or whatever, but I'm like, I feel like blowing up the uh, engine room was the way to go on that one. <laughs> you wouldn't need to worry about their navigational controls yeah. if the entire warp core <laughs> breaches. So maybe just beam back in there and put another bomb. Like y'all can yeah. just do this all day long. Yeah, put like five yeah. more bombs on there. They can't get them yeah, all off on put time. put two bombs instead of one. Take Jordy out of the room. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. And then and then everybody's like frozen and not doing anything. And maybe Worf tries something and gets shot, whatever. But then you see Picard just like, punch this guy in the face and i was like he backhands finn and they wrestle to the ground and i was like and i wrote in my notes thank you for taking action picard he's the only one and it felt a little janeway where it was like oh you're trying to take my ship i will take us all down you know and like Mm -hmm. that i love that he just jumped right into the action unfortunately finn beams himself and picard back to the caves and i was like damn it now two of you are getting out that's really captain of all people yeah. Which this Why time, couldn't it have been Worf? Oh, <laughs> we love Worf. you, Michael Dorn. Um, well, <laughs> Dorn I love is you, great. Michael Dorn. Okay. <laughs> Michael Dorn, you're all right. But Worf, mm, not great. Admittedly, Worf, not great. Worf, he just gets shot and just like thrown around. You know what? We had, so we actually got a chance to talk to Michael Dorn, the actor who plays Worf, like a couple weeks ago. And he was talking about his character of Worf and how like he doesn't want to do more projects if Worf's whole job is to stand in the background and growl and it's like yeah like season three Worf is still pretty superfluous like they still haven't developed his character they still haven't given him stuff to do he just kind of shoots stuff and he growls and he just gets beat up all the time so he talks about honor a little bit yeah but just like a just like a touch and he still hasn't Mm -hmm. been developed and I I don't know which season it's going to happen where they finally get this, put some meat on the bones, but it's not this season and it's, or it's not this episode for sure. So Picard's the only one who takes action and then he gets kidnapped. And this is the one time when I can say Picard got kidnapped for like a legitimate, in a legitimate scenario. Cause normally Picard's going on away missions, which the captain should never do. And then he gets kidnapped and you're like, well, duh, you shouldn't have been there in the first place. But here he was on the bridge doing his job exactly where he needed to be. He started throwing punches and unfortunately got snatched. And you just see the look on everyone's faces like, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Captain's gone. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I didn't remember how this episode ended. No, neither did I. So Beverly is in the in the caverns and she walks into her little like cave room and she sees Picard there. And there was another bump, bump, bump. And I was like, oh, crap. And her face, Gates McFadden, you did a fabulous job on this because her face went stony where she was like shit you know mm-hmm. now the captain is here mm-hmm. so bev and picard start talking and she mentions that the line between a madman and a sane man willing to die for his cause has become blurred for her and in my mind i went paging counselor troy we've got a stockholm syndrome situation going on here um, which i think is just, what picard says like 10 seconds later right it's yes like, yes you you know the psychology behind this beverly 
Yes, exactly. So Stockholm syndrome, for those who aren't super familiar, but I feel like most of us are, is a condition in which hostages develop a psychological bond with their captors during captivity. So you have Finn who brings you food. When he's being the good cop, you feel like you can trust him. And these emotional bonds may be formed between captors and captives during intimate time together. Um, And they're generally considered irrational in light of the danger or risk endured by the victim. So um, Stockholm syndrome is real. It's a real thing. And I think that Beverly is trying to be objective. And I understand what she's saying, where she's like, yes, there is, you know, like you said earlier, there's a fine line between like a general Mm -hmm. and a terrorist. And it just depends on which side is the winning side. Mm -hmm. But by circumstance, she cannot be objective. Like she Mm -hmm. has been kidnapped and she's a captor. She's a captive. So she can't be objective. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's very intelligent, so she's going to think that she can. Yes, exactly. I mean, I would feel like I could, too. Oh, I would, and then too. You'd have to, yeah. You'd be like, and I no, would, it's... You could show me the proof. You could be like, like yeah, yeah, you could be like, this is exactly what... This is Stockholm Syndrome. Look at all your... Look at all of this data mm-hmm. to prove that you're not actually in your right mind because of this terrible situation. And I would still be, like, thinking I could logic my way out of it or something. Yes. And then it would I take... Would be- I would be Tobias from Arrested Development be like, it doesn't work for them, but it might work for me. (laughs) Yeah. And it would take weeks or months of therapy for me to look back at my old self Mm -hmm. and say, oh my gosh, I wasn't in my right mind. But at the time, Mm -hmm. like I would be like, of course, I, that's not what's going on with me. And I'm perfectly logical and objective and blah, blah, blah. So we, so for some reason, Finn allows Beverly and Picard to just chit chat to their heart's content, which made no sense. Yeah, that's that's like captor 101. Don't have Seriously. your hostages talk. That's don't yes, do that. That's kidnapper start, 101. Yeah, they start the plot. It, it, listen. Okay, join our email list to get our kidnapping 101 booklet, <laughs> our ebook. It's only one rule, and it's don't let your captives talk to each other. <laughs> that's, that's and then it. it and then it's 375 blank pages because you only need the one rule. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're kidding. We don't have that book, but you can join our email list info at the TNG podcast.com. But yeah, we don't have that book. We don't have that book. We might. No, no. Okay. So like they're talking for a long time. And I was just like, first of all, when they brought her back, I thought like, oh, he needs some medical attention, but he didn't. He was the one who was fighting, but he didn't even have a scratch on him, a bruise, nothing. And I was like, there's no reason for her to be here. There's no reason for them to be able to talk. There's no reason for them to be able to talk unaccompanied for sure. 100%. They should have, they should have a guard there just to like listen in and let them know they're listening in yep. so that they don't start plotting or anything. But they decide not to do that, which turns out doesn't matter anyways, because they don't plot. They just sit and chit chat about terrorism and what it means and what it doesn't mean. And they're not thinking about like escape. They're just kind of hanging out, you know, chilling in the caves. Well, Picard does ask Beverly a little bit later. He says, how many times does someone have to essentially use the inverter in order to start sustaining like irreparable damage? And -hmm. she was like, I don't know. Why do you ask? And he says, it's our duty and our obligation to think of, to to try to escape. And I was like, thank you, Picard. Over here with some solutions. Being trying to be like, how do we get an inverter? Mm -hmm. Can you sweet talk Finn? You know, Mm -hmm. but Finn comes over to talk to Picard and he essentially inserts himself into talks with the Federation. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up a chair at the table. I want to talk with the Federation because now that you guys are here, this issue has become bigger than just Rutia four. It now involves the Federation and we want to place at the table. And I think that's actually not a bad idea. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to get a spot at the table by kidnapping and holding these 
senior members hostage. But listen, desperate times, desperate measures. He does what he has to do. Now, then we have this moment where Counselor Troy is walking through the corridor when Finn teleports in and makes his demands. To Counselor Troy for some strange reason. For some reason. Well, I thought, thank God he at least got a member of the senior staff. I wanted to see all the deleted <laughs> scenes where he teleported into like the nursery or the arboretum. And he's like, oh, God damn or it. Like that, like, or like that woman who ran away earlier. Yeah. And she's like, it's not again. Yeah. She's already just so traumatized. And he just keeps being like, oh, gosh. And like muttering to himself and like inverting it. Eventually, <laughs> he'd find his way to Chief O'Brien. And he'd be like, I, I don't security, know who to talk to about security, this. Security as he ducks under the, <laughs> the panel. All right, but we're getting all over the place. So he he has his demands. And um, back in the cave, Finn is telling Beverly to talk to Picard as he may have to kill him. And Beverly finally is like, what else have you got? Is this all you've got? Like fear is the only card you can play. And you know, Finn's like, well, it's a pretty good card. Like, you know, I've gotten good at it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you have scared the hell out of me and everybody else. And like, nobody wants to talk to someone after you've scared the shit out of them. Like, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, and then Finn has decided to put on his good guy trousers. And he's like, I don't want you to fear me, Beverly. And then he shows her all of the drawings that he's made of her eyes, which is supposed to be very telling about his feelings for her question Mm -hmm. mark. Mm-hmm. Or show the softer Charmin side of him. I don't know. <laughs> those drawings were so pretty. Whoever did those did a great job. Yeah. Whoever they hired for those, man, they they were great. Yeah. It might have been art department. Sometimes shows will hire out for like an artist to do a couple of sketches, like art students and things like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything on that. They were beautiful. All of those drawings. And faces and eyes are so hard to draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, Take it from me, the woman who can hardly draw a stick figure correctly. (laughs) Eyes are impossible. So people who can draw (laughs) eyes and faces and hands, props to you. And they did show him earlier drawing hands. So Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, you're, you are a talented artist. Like imagine what your life could have been if it wasn't for the political situation on Rudy of four. Which is what Beverly said to him at one point when he was drawing the hands. Yeah. And she said something like, you should be an artist and not a killer. And he was like, I can do both, which he can. Fair. Clearly. Fair enough. He's, he's I mean, doing he's that wrong. right now. <laughs> like he's probably got bombs planted all over the city and he's drawn his little artwork of hands. So he's a multitasker. Yeah. So um, all of a sudden now the because of Finn teleporting off and on the ship to make his demands to Counselor Troy, who again, the poor woman didn't even get one line of dialogue in that entire exchange. Um, Wesley was being able to pinpoint where deep under the surface in the Southern hemisphere, the like, terrorist bases so Mm -hmm. the enterprise team is able to beam into the cave and the first thing i noticed was the federation members like the 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 way team had their like phasers pointed and they were like stalking out and around and being very like you know quiet and about Mm -hmm. and like meticulous about their movements and the police officers in the back with the helmets on they were like them like they just moseyed there's no other word than moseyed it was like i i mean i guess we're here we might as well poke around <laughs> they had their, their hands in their pockets it was ridiculous um and they stun a couple of the unsada rebels and find the generator and picard and beverly are still talking and this is this moment that i hated and i wanted to like punch the tv when beverly says there are some things i want to tell you in case we don't get out of this and then the lights go out and i was like of course you guys had to tease this like relationship between mm-hmm. beverly and and john luke but the lights go out and Riker and War find two terrorists and punch their lights out like they don't have phasers in their hands. 
and they don't have whatever they use to knock those other guards out, which were maybe yeah, like little hyper zappies. sprays or something, something yes. where they just like clicked something and they just passed out. They just I thought they were going to do a Vulcan neck fist. pinch. Yeah. I <laughs> thought they were going to do Vulcan neck pinches, honestly. And I was like, oh, they're going to sneak up and just hit. But then they didn't. They like injected something and they pass out. And I was like, okay, that also works. And then later on, they're like fist fighting. And I was like, well, what, why would, but you have phasers, you they have phasers. You wouldn't just even get it into on range stun and just, you don't even need, yeah. You put it on stun and you put it on wide beam. And you can yep. actually stun multiple people at once. <laughs> you don't even need both of y'all. Just one person be like, beep, beep. All yeah. right, they're done. They're down. Yes. Keep it moving. Yes. It should have been 100% Indiana Jones where the dude is brandishing his big knife <laughs> and Indiana Jones just shoots him and moves on. It's like, <laughs> why didn't they do any of that? No, instead they have to like double fisted punch that. I don't know. Yeah. It was really dumb. But Finn race, you know, in all the commotion, Finn is like, oh shit, I have these hostages. So he races to Picard and Beverly and Alexana is hiding behind some bins and comes out from behind Finn and shoots him in the back before Finn can shoot Captain Picard. Picard. Mm -hmm. And then Alexana looks down at his dead body and she goes, now he's a martyr. And I was like, again, okay, you didn't even, again, this is something you didn't need to say. Well, and he said that earlier in the episode is he was like, if I die, I become a martyr. And that makes me 10,000 times more powerful. Mm -hmm. So either way I win. Yes. Which Alexana probably should have known that, but okay. And I think she did know that because she said like, so, okay. So she shoots him and then the kid comes around the corner and he's got a gun on her. And so we've got this, like, you know, kind of, it would have been a, a standoff if the kid had been there. Right. And then we have like a Federation officer behind him and someone behind them. And then yeah. someone behind them, we have this yeah. long, long line of people holding guns at each other. Um, but the kid comes around the corner and we kind of revisit that part earlier in the episode where the kids were terrorists yes and beverly's just like no more killing like let's just call it a day by the and way like, okay did this not give you captain von trapp from the sound of music vibes did yeah. you ever <laughs> they're mm -hmm. trapped and rolf finds them and he's like rolf enough is enough i mean this felt so that when beverly mm -hmm. was like no more no more and the kid is like um uh with a shaky gun <laughs> Yeah. Just escort him away. I was like, okay. And now he's well. going to go to prison for the rest of his life. So yep. maybe he should have took so, a shot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't like, what does he really get out of it? Nothing. Cause he's lost Nothing. his home. He's lost his mentor. He's lost his family. And now yep. he's going to lose his freedom forever. Ever. So, forever. And Alexana is not, this did not change her at all. She was just like, there, two more cockroaches squashed kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, so you didn't develop at all in seeing that? Okay, well, that's really depressing. Um, so I guess everybody's fine. Well, but then Riker says like, hey, because she's like, look, there's no end in sight. Now there's another one to take his place. This kid's going to grow up to become Finn and it's just going to never, mm. ever end. And then Riker says, well, he did put his gun down. He didn't take the shot. So maybe this is the beginning of the end. Maybe you can mm. build on this moment. And they just kind of look at each other and then they're like, boop, 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 back to the ship. Yes. So that was the most character development we got from her where she just went, hmm. And that was it. And all of a sudden we're on the bridge of the Enterprise. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was no big deal. That could have been, been cool, too, if they dug into like her realizing that the terrorists are not animals, but that they're actually people who just want freedom. Like if they had kidnapped her and changed her yes. mind, like yeah. her and Beverly or something like that. I don't know. But that could have been really interesting. <laughs> You know, to see her kind of like come to this realization, like, oh, wait a minute, they're they're actually what they're asking for is not unreasonable. It's just their methods are completely unreasonable. Yeah. And then also to maybe have Finn see like we're fighting for our lives, we're fighting for our freedom, we're fighting for survival, but we realize the damage that we're doing. Yeah. And we're willing to burn this entire planet to the ground 
if we're not able to get yes. what we want and like realizing like this is the this is the extent that we're going like that could have been really interesting to see mm-hmm. both of them kind of play off of each other and maybe the two of them get trapped somehow so no one has the home court advantage yes and they've got yes. to kind of like realize like see things from other people one another's shoes like that could have been really interesting as well there's so many directions this episode could have gone in that would have made in- it and it went in none of those. Yeah. That would have been more interesting, which made it very blah. Now, as the senior officers return to the bridge with Beverly in tow, the happy music plays as Beverly and Wesley exchange fond looks at each other from across the bridge. Mm-hmm. And they don't even like run into each other's arms. They just kind of like, he sort of gets mosey? up and kind of hugs. Yeah, th- there's there's more moseying. They mosey <laughs> over and share what I would like to award as the most anticlimactic hug in television history, where they're like, hey, you, hi. <laughs> and this is the moment for the first time when I really start to hate Wesley. And I'll tell you why. Because Beverly says, I hear I owe my rescue to you. And Wesley shrugs and goes, I was just part of the team. And that was when I wanted to be like, oh, shut up, Wesley. (laughs) That was my first ever. Because Wesley. uh, Nope, nope, nope. Because (laughs) these are none of the things you would say to your mother. Who's writing for this teenage boy? Oh, okay. That just like made me so irritated because he's like just part of the team. And she practically like light punched him on the chin to be like, okay, pal, give him, I'll be in sick bay. Yeah. An attaboy. And they sail off into the sunset. And I went, what? Well, not before Picard says, Wesley, take us out to whatever he says to him, set, set course for blah, blah, blah at your own leisure. And he's like, yes, sir. Your mother was kidnapped. And nearly killed, I want to say, eight times this whole hour. And Picard is not going to give Wesley, like, a couple of hours. Take the rest of the day off and go hang out with your mom and do a debrief. Yeah, go get that lunch you guys never got to finish down on the planet. (laughs) Go get your champagne and celebrate that she's free. But no, he's right back on the clock. And she's like, I'll be in sickbay if you need me. Counselor Troy should have been like, "Uh, the hell you are. Yeah. Meet me in my office in 20 minutes. Immediately, We're, yeah. Yeah, the Stockholm Syndrome is going to get addressed now. But no, 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 everything is just fine again. Yeah, so and like for, for both of them, we would it would be nice to see a bit more emotion for both of them, right? Like, Anybody. Beverly, you thought your son was going to be blown up. And like, thank you. That was scary. You were crying then, but now you're just like, hey there. You know, and not like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. Like that would have been the moment for tears of relief, of joy, of like, that was a horrible situation. I'm even just relief to be free is one thing that would lead someone, a normal person to cry. Seeing your child, but yeah. seeing your child would be another level, but seeing your child who almost got blown up, like so many levels of emotion and things to debrief. And yeah, Council Troy is just like, they are not utilizing this person to the best of their Mm-mm. ability because Mm-mm. they all need some counseling. I'm not seeing enough. Emotional uh, Picard, excuse me. Why are you back in the captain's chair after being kidnapped freed moments before mm-hmm. from your own kidnapping mm-hmm. what is going on here this is awful writing that's it yeah. i'm just i think Riker it. could handle the plot course like i yeah. think he could handle that give it to Riker and and data take a fucking week off and do some major <laughs> psychotherapy okay everybody let's just everybody if you've been kidnapped or if your family member's been kidnapped raise your hand and go take a week <laughs> off <laughs> raise your hand and then take a ticket from council yeah. Troy, and we're just gonna start one by one yeah running you guys through yes. this or you know what? If Counselor Troy is busy, go see a therapist like in the holodeck and work or through it. Let's all go to Anybody, at mm-hmm. the very least, get somebody a drink. Okay. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. No, that was really for me. This is where Gene Roddenberry, in 
all of his like infinite imagination and wisdom and blah, blah, that gave us the Trek universe for which we'll be forever thankful. This perfection-y, utopic mm. culture is so fucking toxic and weird and dumb that I'm like, I don't get it. You just yeah. were kidnapped and it's like, all right, back on duty. Like, no, no. Yeah, I don't know if I would call it toxic, but I might call it kind of sugary sweet. And well, that I, is not good for mental health, right? Because like I, no one's taking care of their mental health in any of this. It's just like. That is, that's actually why I think of it as toxic because it sets that, it sets that story that like you could go through this horrible traumatic thing and then it's just business as usual. Five minutes later, it's like, no, the normal thing to do would be to have to take time to process everything that you've gone through. But by setting that standard, Mm -hmm. In storytelling to be like, yeah, I almost died. My kid almost died. I could have been raped down here or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, here we go. Just back on duty. To me, that feels, I think that there's such a thing as toxic positivity where people do like, I'm fine. Everything is fine. Even Mm -hmm. when they're not. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that is toxic. It's like, let's Mm -hmm. just address this. Although granted it was written in 1990. So, okay. They might have people didn't have mental health challenges. Before that was before that was a thing. Before the mental health. <laughs> when everybody health. was just well adjusted and perfect. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jean. Yes. Before mental health was more normalized and talked yeah. about than it is today. But yeah, I think that's I, agree. I think that's definitely true. Because mental health, I feel like only recently has mental health have mental health issues been more normalized in society. Yes. However, they had this brilliant idea of having a counselor on yes. the bridge. So it's like that was a little bit of a missed opportunity where they could yes. have normalized mental health at least in the Trek world. Um, yes. But instead, everybody just had no had no issues. They just recovered from everything with no help whatsoever. So it's kind of like we get Troy just sitting on the bridge, twiddling her thumbs all day long. And looking gorgeous, yeah. And That's looking it. gorgeous. Yes. Well, anyways, what are final your final thoughts? thoughts? Mine first? Um, okay. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I thought this was a good episode. I think it was, I liked it as far as like, like I said, the costumes, the sets, like the all, like it was just so pretty. I, I like nothing took me out of the story. Um, and I do think it was, um, pretty shallow. And if we would have mm-hmm. gone deeper in any one of those avenues we talked about over this last episode, um, I think it could have been a really special episode. I agree with you 100%. I think that every episode in season three, even the ones that we don't remember how they mm-hmm. go, mm-hmm. where you're like, wait a minute, I don't remember this. The episode is so cohesive and so well put together. In my grade book, it's like a B plus and up. This for me was like a solid C minus where it's like you had all the opportunity in the world to go into some like much deeper groundbreaking storytelling and you didn't. And it just became an after school special as to why terrorism is bad Mm -hmm. and nothing ever changes. If we had a where are they now on Routia 4, it would be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. That one kid would be imprisoned forever. Another kid who was in the cave who survived the attack would take Finn's place and mm-hmm. the story would continue. And that mm-hmm. would, yeah. So that for me was a bummer. But with that behind us, I'm now extremely excited to dive into next week's episode, season three, episode 13, Deja Q, my personal all-time favorite. I couldn't be more thrilled. So Sharice, Thank you for nerding out with me as always. It's so much fun. And I love all the twisty ways that we go off the rails. <laughs> yes. Track. Yes. This has been just like a total joy. And I have to say season three is so good. Like I, I maybe am starting to come around on people saying season three is the best season. I might be coming around on that because episode mm. after episode is good. Like even so if it's not strong. great, it's good. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. So 
I'm curious to see if that changes when we get to season four. Cause traditionally I'm like, Oh, each season gets better and better. But right now I'm just like, so shocked by how much yes. better it is from seasons one and two <laughs> that like, I, I mean, I'm so happy. Yeah. So I'm excited <laughs> about next, next week's episode. I think it might be the best Q episode in TNG. Um, hands down. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I think it might be for me as well. It might be, it's either the best or the second best between this other one, but yeah, it's, it's going to be so good. So yeah. Join us next week. You won't regret it. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the TNGpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.